and welcome to In Season, where we explore the farms, gardens, and wild spaces of the North Coast. I'm Jessica Schleif. And I'm Teresa Retzloff. And we're here on the farm in the greenhouse. Yep, we're sitting in my big greenhouse. It's a, it's a outdoor space, as outdoor as we can get. The doors are open, the breeze is blowing through. It's a cool, rainy winter day. You may hear a little pitter-patter in the background. Um, of the rainfall. It's actually lovely. It's beautiful. It's I'm sure you guys can hear it. And we torture ourselves about these little you know, things that we have to deal with, with the COVID protocol recording remote, remotely. But honestly, it's kind of sweet. It is kind of sweet. It's kind of lovely. It's not too cold. We're dressed warmly. We it's definitely a rain gear day. I have a motorcycle suit you on. You do, but it looks really warm. It's kind <laughs> of very padded. puppy. Oh, it looks cozy. <laughs> Way cozier than my than my rain gear, but um, but we're we're making it. We're doing okay, and um, and it's actually kind of inspiring. I'm glad we're sitting here in my greenhouse. I'm looking beyond Jessica at the chard and collards and greens that are growing there, because we were going to talk about vegetables. Yeah, and we're going to we talk were, about we edible were kind plants. Of talking about some of the things that you could be thinking about growing now. Mm-hmm. Um, and getting ready for an edible garden. There's been such an incredible explosion of interest in in vegetable gardening. Oh, gardening in general, mm -hmm. but ve vegetable gardening, f edible gardening, specifically during um, this past crazy pandemic year. Partly, I think maybe people were at home and they had more time on their hands. People were more concerned about food and where their fresh food was coming from. Kind of nice to have some greens out in Absolutely. your garden rather than having to go to the store all Trying the to avoid time. the supermarket. Yeah. So, you know, hopefully if, if last year was your first gardening year, Hopefully it went okay. If it didn't go okay, please don't give up. <laughs> you know, everybody's first year of gardening is terrible. You know, you make so many, not maybe not terrible, but you make a lot of mistakes. And I, you know, I've been gardening, oh, it's gotta be like 30 years now. And I still make mistakes. I still kill a lot of plants. I still mess things up. I, there's a lot more that I do right now, but it's taken a lot of years to figure some stuff out. Well, and that's all part of the process. And mm -hmm. sometimes there's parts of the plants that we don't think about eating. Mm -hmm. There's ways to kind of move around those things that might feel like mistakes, but are part of the process. So yeah. what are the, some of the things that are growing for you right now, outdoors or in the greenhouse? And what are some of the things that you're thinking about Starting from seed indoors, and what are some of the things that you're thinking about planting outdoors? That's a lot of That's questions. A lot of all questions. At once. <laughs> well, I, I would just say so. It's late winter, and late winter is a tricky time to be planting things outside because it can be very cold and very wet. And even if you get that nice warm week of weather in February or even in March, sometimes the soil is still really wet and to do the kind of preparation that you would want to do before you plant your plants out, um, you might be doing more damage to the soil than good if you're working it when it's too wet. And and the, the trick for is my soil dry enough to work or not is that you pick up a handful mm -hmm. of soil in your hand and squeeze it. And if water comes out, <laughs> that is definitely too wet. If it stays together, but water doesn't come out that's still a little too wet yeah and if you drop it on the ground and it shatters or crumbles you know or if it feels kind of crumbly then it's probably okay and so for people with very sandy soil 
it's going to be easier for them to get into their gardens earlier than people with very heavy clay soil. Or, you know, if you have raised beds and, and your soil is maybe a little easier to work because it's a raised bed, the drainage is better, um, that's going to be a little bit easier to work with than if you're dealing with just a, a, a bed in your garden that's at ground level. But regardless, um, there's lots of cool weather crops that do well this time of year. And they can be things that you start from seed yourself. I mean, starting from seed is very fun and exciting and wonderful. It can also be kind of terrifying and soul destroying because you feel like, oh, what am I doing wrong? <laughs> so there's some things to pay attention to with seed starting. Some, some it's, you can direct seed, which is planting seeds directly in the ground where they're gonna grow. Or you can start seeds indoors um, in a sunny window, in a nice warm spot. Um, challenges there can be a lot lankiness. of times, lankiness. Well, Autumn's <laughs> your sunny window is still probably not enough light yeah. for those seeds. Yeah. And so a lot of times that, something that people experience when they start seeds inside is they get plants that are very leggy. They're really tall and spindly. They're growing towards the sun, which like they're you feel struggling. like it's right there, mm -hmm. but actually they're growing towards the window, towards the sun that's off in yeah. the... Yeah, <laughs> and so you sometimes you can get plants that are kind of spindly, they're not super strong, and then when you plant them outside, they don't really thrive yeah. because their, their stems are very thin and very weak. So if you tried doing that and you've had all your plants die and it feels really discouraging, it's like, well, that might be part of the reason. And so if you really want to start your own seeds, you might want to research putting in a little grow light setup. And grow lights are not hard to make yourself. You can do them with like a fluorescent light bulb situation. For a lot of years in the beginning years of our farm, we had grow lights that were, it's like you get one warm bulb and one cool bulb in your fluorescent light setup. And um, we had some timers. I got, you know, some plug-in heat mats. And we had a grow light set up in the upstairs hallway of mm -hmm. our house, of our first farm for, you know, six years. And that's where I started most of my seeds for a really long time. I would fill trays in the bathtub, you know, so the soil didn't go everywhere. And, um, and I started a shocking number of plants that way and really kind of learned what worked and what didn't. Um, got what, What's the kind of, you know, I think sometimes mm -hmm. when people hear the term grow light, they're thinking a big operation. What kind of space are we talking about for just a... Um, you know, it could be like four feet by two feet mm -hmm. light. Um, and you could put, you know, two or three flats of plants, depending on your orientation underneath. And that could be enough to just get, you know, a nice assortment of plants going for your home garden. The thing with plants is that they, you know, you need to keep them evenly moist. Um, a lot of times people try to do bottom watering with them. So you're setting them in a tray um, that is not, doesn't drain. And then you add a little bit of water to the tray and let the plants soak it up from the bottom. The trick with that is that you don't want to just leave them in standing water because they can get too wet. Mm -hmm. um, but that's a good way to water plants indoors if you don't want to be bringing a watering can in and getting water all over your kitchen floor, or your hallway, or wherever you're doing that. Um, you, and then you need to be able to move the lights up and down a little bit. So it's mm -hmm. nice if they can be on some kind of a chain or a pulley because you want to start them out pretty close to the plants as they emerge. Mm -hmm. And I was always taught that you want to keep the lights about two inches above the leaves of the plants. And that makes for a nice, sturdy, stocky yeah. plant start. So their, and, ha their habit, because they're not having to reach for the light, mm -hmm. they, they're able to, their habit is, like Teresa's saying, sturdier or stockier. Mm -hmm. That stem will get 
thicker, mm -hmm. um, less space in between the leaves. Yep. Yeah. And then when the leaves start to, you start to get, so the first leaves that come out are the cotyled leaves and they are not true leaves mm -hmm. um, and they're just what the seed sends up to start photosynthesizing and start feeding itself. So they're just like a little initial, hey, and, I'm and, hungry. And these, these first leaves that come out might not even look, you know, they, they often don't look like the true leaves. So you'll think, mm -hmm. I thought I was growing up. Yeah, <laughs> spinach is really tricky like that. There's these really thin, yes. like needle-like leaves that come up that are their first, the cotyledon leaves, mm -hmm. and then you get the fatter spinach leaves. Um, so once you get, um, I've, and again, this is how I was taught, and I generally go by this, two sets of true leaves. Mm -hmm. That's closer to when that plant might be ready to start thinking about transplanting it and either transplanting it into a larger container to continue to grow it on inside until the weather is better outside, or maybe at that point it's like, well, these might be ready to transplant outside, but it's going to depend on what the weather's like outside. And you have to uh, also remember that you're taking these plants out of a very protected environment inside your house, inside your greenhouse, wherever you're starting them, and then putting them outside, you know, on there, the there Pacific might be Northwest a, Coast. There might be a hardening off process so, with that. <laughs> yeah, so hardening off is where we kind of get the plants used to the outdoors. So it can be taking them outside on a nice day and setting them outside in the sun and letting them get kind of like, woohoo, this is the outside, oh, okay, and then bringing them back inside at night. And doing that a couple of times to get them used to it or putting them outside in some kind of a cold frame setup, which could be like an insulated box that's got a glass top so mm -hmm. that they're outside and it's cooler and they're getting used to being cold, but they're not just like boom, right outside in the hail and the snow and then gradually plant them outside. But if you take them straight from the heat mats and the grow lights and the beautiful environment you're creating into, you know, early March outdoor weather on the Oregon coast, that's where you're gonna get a lot of plants dying. Cause it's just shock. Yeah. It's just, they're just, you know, what, what, why, why would you do that to me? So, so there's things to learn with growing seeds and that sounds super complicated. You can also just wait to start seeds until later in the season, until after we've had our last frost, which is usually sometime mid April and start your seeds then. Especially if you're looking at your varieties and mm -hmm. you're, you're looking for shorter ripening varieties, mm -hmm. um, you can kind of get away with you starting can. some things yeah. later. And I know a lot of people that start out um, with transplants. So maybe they'll go to the nursery and they'll buy transplants for that first round of plants that they want to plant out in March mm -hmm. or April so that they don't have to deal with any of the seed starting. And then, you know, come April, May, that's when they're doing their seeding. Maybe they're direct seeding um, for different flower crops or they're direct seeding things like right into their garden or they're starting some flats of plants outside where the plants can germinate in flats or, or pots outside. And then you can move them out into your garden and plant them where you want them. Mm -hmm. um, so those are just things to, to be thinking about if you're thinking about wanting to start some of your own plants, which is a really fun thing to do. It is. And, and it gives you more control. Definitely. And the thing that you're talking about with the, with the lights, I mean, I have seen people and, and myself done an even smaller li mm -hmm. light setup. That's like a two foot by one foot light mm -hmm. setup with a, a little heat mat underneath it, literally on top of the chest freezer, mm -hmm. you know, with a chain mm -hmm. and just bringing it out for a certain um, part of the year that it didn't need a permanent home. So, so if people are thinking, oh, I don't have the space to do that, where would I set that up? It could be 
temporary thing. Yeah. You know? And there is, I have to say, there is so much out there now that's available for home gardeners or, you know, like maybe more serious home gardeners who are looking for grow light setups. Um, there's a lot of, of great products out there. They don't, they're not necessarily wildly expensive. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and for a small investment, if this is something that you feel like you maybe are going to want to do going forwards, it's worth spending the money to invest in a setup like this because you're gonna get much healthier plants. And you're gonna um, get to choose your variety. Way better than yeah. that. Yeah, you, you, there's the plants that you buy at the nursery, you know, you have no control over what varieties are there. And there may be a variety you're really excited about growing, but nobody's growing it to sell as a transplant. So you get to go to the seed companies and order whatever packet of seed you want and try whatever you want. And that's a really cool way to explore I mean, that's how I started out. You know, there was a lot of things that I wanted to grow that I, you know, I was like, well, I have to just start it myself. You know, I mm -hmm. can't buy a transplant for that. And um, it definitely got me on this path of wanting to start my own seeds and learn how to do that. And I still am learning. I still feel like every year there's certain plants that are super tricky for me. I've learned a lot about air circulation. It's really nice to have like a little fan going mm -hmm. um, on your plants as they're starting under those grow lights on the heat mat air circulation is really good so the plants don't get get fungal there's a, a thing that happens called damping off mm -hmm. where if the soil surface is really wet stays really wet and there's not good air circulation you can get like a fungal thing that happens at the surface and the plant just kind of rots right there and keels over it's so sad it is oh so it's sad. just the saddest thing and again this can just be a tiny clip light lamp you know mm -hmm. it, it, this can be a a, a, a tiny um clip fan yeah it doesn't, you know, it have, doesn't to have to be a big box fan mm -hmm. it can just be like a little yeah. clip you just fan. want a gentle a gentle breeze that stirs the air and just keeps that airflow moving over the surface of those plants just kind of mimicking the outdoors there's just like a gentle breeze blowing a little bit of warmth a little bit of moisture that's really what most plants need to germinate is warmth and moisture mm -hmm. um that some of them don't even need the light in the beginning but once those those first leaves those codlid leaves come out they need the light yeah there has to be light for them um for them to start photosynthesizing or else you're going to lose your plants so it, it, it's a fun thing to do and if you have time on your hands um you know if you're like looking for a good covid project hey try try starting some seeds inside get a grow light set up and and think about what you want to put out in your garden for edible plants um the things that are, are the big winter plants like winter into spring it's a lot of the anything in the brassica family is pretty sturdy it can handle being outside peas a lot of people get their pea plants started early mm -hmm. um uh, uh, people sometimes say president's day is when they plant their peas i don't like to go by calendar things like that because i feel like what if it's snowing on yeah. President's Day? Can this also be a time for sweet peas? I know you're talking about mm -hmm. food right now. No, but... oh, sweet peas, it's a great thing to start early. I mean, I, I would say maybe with, with a little bit of protection. Mm -hmm. um, I definitely, I start my sweet peas inside, you know, in plug trays inside our greenhouse. And then I plant them out around the time that I plant out our edible peas. Um, so usually sometime in early to mid-March. Mm -hmm. Although I do find that this, the sweet peas take a lot longer to kick in than the edible peas. Don't lose hope with the sweet peas. You'll be really surprised when they do start to take off and suddenly yeah. these completely oh. different leaves and stem come out yeah. of this little 
They're Spindle. so beautiful and so fragrant. And that is honestly one of the, the blessings, I think, of, of being here in a cooler coastal environment is that sweet peas will bloom almost all summer long mm -hmm. for us, whereas people in hotter climates, you know, by the end of April, their sweet pea season's done. When ours are just like, I'm just excited if my plants are starting to grow by the early yeah. April. So that's a, that's a wonderful thing. And with the pea plants, I would just say things like, something to be aware of is if you're direct seeding your peas outside, I usually sow, I, I, well, I don't direct seed my peas anymore because I had so much rotting and bird predation yeah. of those early yeah. germination peas. So I start them all in plug trays inside our greenhouse and then transplant them out usually in mid-March. But even if you are direct seeding, I would start some backup, you know, backup ones, sure. you know, just maybe some old six packs or something like that. Just start some to fill in because you're probably going to lose some to rot and you're probably going to lose some to birds. Yeah. And so those are just things that it's, I always start more than I think I'm going to need because I know I'm going to lose some. Uh, and, and it's just like a good insurance policy. Yeah, that's a really nice way to think about it. I often do... Um, with things that are self-sowing, let some of them self-sow in the fall, but I often save seed to mm -hmm. go for another little spring planting of those things. Mm -hmm. Just in case. Just in case. Yeah. Yeah. And those are just all, um, you know, early things. Rhubarb is starting to emerge right now. And um, that's something that it's a perennial. Um, if you want to have a rhubarb plant in your garden, I love them. They're great. They do take up a lot of space. They're beautiful. They are though. beautiful. Um, they start to emerge in, I would say, February, late January, February. Like April, May is the big harvest time mm -hmm. for rhubarb, I think, in our area. I think that that is a beautiful edible perennial that can be worked into any perennial garden. Mm -hmm. It's very attractive. It's, yeah. a, it's a nice thing to actually just work into your regular borders or plant beds. Yeah. Do you incorporate much edible, any edible leafy greens or things like that into oh, yes. gardens? Yeah. I just think that's so beautiful. I mean, that's part of use, my, yeah. you know, that's part of my moniker or whatever, mm -hmm. specializing in edible and habitat gardens. Um, and that's something that I've done really for a lot of years, like 20 plus years, like mm -hmm. having kohlrabi or greens just within my perennial borders. And mm -hmm. some of that came from my own need for space in my personal garden, but then really liking the way that that felt and looked. I can get colors that I mm -hmm. normally wouldn't get, like with some of those rainbow chards oh, or so beautiful. You know, the, the stems of the rhubarb or I, I, I think that it's, it's really nice to mix those things in with flowers mm -hmm. and shrubs and yeah. you don't have to have a specific, this is my edible garden. You know, you can have edibles mixed in with your perennials and yeah. your shrubs and your small trees that things can just all live together and and there can be a lot of benefits from that as far as not mono planting things mm -hmm. if you do have pests or disease that hop in it's going to have to work a lot harder if you don't have things in giant rows yeah you know? that's a good way of thinking about it and i love seeing you know, like a, a teepee of beans or peas in the middle of a bunch of flowers mm -hmm. or some other, you know, crop. And maybe there was a, a year when I used um, lots of lettuce plants to kind of edge yeah. 
these these more ornamental beds. I use and, the charts all the time. Mm -hmm. The charts and the kales in the plant beds. I think that that foliage is beautiful. And also it's nice to provide edibles that are closer into the house. Mm -hmm. You can just walk right out into your little flower garden in the back or the front and you have edibles and herbs and things and possibly fruit right in there. There's not a, I'm gonna walk out to the back 40 to get to the, you know, the yeah. garden bed. Yeah, and that might make it easier for people to think about incorporating edible plants into their garden. You don't have to tear out your rose garden you know, or your perennial beds in order to plant an edible garden, you can have both. Mm -hmm. You can incorporate both. And and I guess a question that I I get asked a lot is, well, how much should I plant? This and, is such a great question. And, that, I was thinking about that when you were talking and earlier. And it's like, well, how much do you eat? You know, how much do you like that plant? How, you know, do you need 12 heads of cabbage or do you just need two? You know, do you need eight broccoli plants or, you know, would one or two be good? You know, maybe you really love kale and you want to have a lot of kale. Maybe you can't stand kale, but you want to have just one plant because you like to make smoothies with it. Right. And that could be in a pot mm -hmm. close to, you know, your... So it's part of it is, and, and here's the thing too, you, you also have to grow, I think you have to grow a plant to get a sense of how much does it produce mm -hmm. and is that too much or not enough for you. And different varieties can be different. Mm -hmm. And then it depends on it, you know, like your soil and, yep. and how good is your soil. And if this is the first year you're Did growing you in that fertilize? bed. Did you actually fertilize? Yeah. I mean, you may not get a very productive plant. And so if you're judging how productive it is by the first year you grow it in brand spanking new soil, you know, if you work on that soil for a few years, you know, after about the third or fourth year, your plants might be way more productive than they were that first year. But so like get to know a plant, try it. I, I think we've all made this mistake where you plant way too much of something. Six zucchini plants, yes. you know, it and is, you don't need that many. Something that I see often with that is um, people not providing the plants enough space. Mm -hmm. I mean, kale plants, many vegetable plants, uh, mm -hmm. if you provide them the space, they will get to be, if your soil is mm -hmm. good, yeah. They they can get to be very large yeah. plants. I think yeah. we have a tendency, especially in the for some reason in the vegetable gardening realm, mm -hmm. to really cram a whole bunch of things in together. Yeah. You know, and with so on the farm here we space our a lot of our brassica plants about eighteen inches apart. There you go. In a row. Um, and they're not 18 inches away, they're like kind of staggered in a row so that it'll be, you know, kind of a little zigzag pattern so that the plants can kind of grow into the space opposite them. And, and when you first plant those little tiny transplants, it looks really empty and it mm -hmm. looks kind of barren and you think, ugh, you know, but come, you know, four months from then or three months or however, it, it really fills in and the plants are fighting with each other and there's total closeout. Um, so you, when you first plant it out, it's going to look kind of weird and sad, but don't, don't try and jump in and fill it. Yeah with that. And, and one thing I do want to say, and I feel like I, when we're talking about how many plants in an area, I always want to mention something that I have to invoke my dear um, late brother-in-law, Leonard. Um, he was such a, a, a devoted gardener and um, just could never quite get the hang of this one thing. So he would go to the store, to the nursery and buy like packs of chard. He loved growing chard. Uh -huh. and, he, and a lot of times for commercial nurseries, what they do is just seed like a bunch of yes. seeds in yes. each cell. And so you get this very full, lush looking, you know, six but pack. But there's five 
plants all Sometimes squished together. more than that, yeah. like 12 or whatever, and they're all growing in this little tiny clump. And he would take that clump and just plant it in the ground. And then I would come visit them and he would say, well, why, you know, why isn't my char getting big? What, you know, what's going on? I'm like, cause you've got six plants there all fighting for yeah. root space. And they're all gonna like, like maybe eventually they'll kill each other off and one will survive, but it's always gonna be stunted and not look very good. And I was like, here's what you gotta do. You either gotta just take some scissors, scissors and just cut, cut it down to one plant, one mm -hmm. plant per cell and just plant that one plant. If you catch them really early, you mm -hmm. can divide those up. Mm -hmm. If the plants have, have, you've got your little six pack and mm -hmm. you've got, they're all wrapped up together. Mm -hmm. If they've been there for a while, yeah. those hate being divided apart and it's they, just better to use the scissors and mm -hmm. cut away. Just cut them off and yeah. just cut it down Leave to one, one. one plant per cell and then loosen up the roots a little bit and then plant that. And you're gonna get a way healthier plant and the thing is, even if you did divide those little tiny plants, do you need 25 no, charred no, plants no, 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 in no. your garden? <laughs> you don't, you know? So I, I, that's something where I feel like, you know, it, it's such a, it's such a classic um, mistake that a lot of beginning gardeners make and sometimes even experienced gardeners make. And some of it's like, you can't bear to kill those plants, but you're gonna have a much healthier garden if you just do. Yeah. And I think it's just like, if you just do it once, and you see the results and you're like, oh, actually, yeah, this really does work. Then it makes it easier to do that thinning and to pull those plants out. It's the same kind of thing if you direct seed carrots, you know, if you really want to grow carrots, which do not transplant well, yeah. and you so seed you your carrots. You go in there and thin you've them. You've got to go in there and yeah. thin them. It's the same thing with many things like poppy seedlings mm -hmm. or, you know, lots of the flower mm -hmm. world seedlings that are around. You know, I'm running around and thinning even yeah. now-ish, you know, yeah. kind of saying, oh, well, there's a big one. Let me thin the 20 other ones yeah. that are around it. Yeah. On the flip side of this, cut and come again, salad greens. Yeah. We can talk you can about sow those that pretty more. Thickly, the... Things like arugula, stuff like that. Yeah. What I often do with those kinds of things is I'll break them into clumps. Yeah. So if you have a, you know, a cell with, with, you know, 40, arugula plants in it, you know, you can break them into smaller clumps mm -hmm. um, and space and, those out, and, space those out. Yeah. and then as they grow, sometimes then as you, they grow, you could thin it down to one plant if that's all you wanted, um, or you could just, just cut them off and let them keep coming back again. Um, and just bear in mind that with a lot of those plants, um, things like arugula is a great one to mention, and lettuces, and some of those, those quick greens, they're not gonna last the whole season. Yes. A kale plant, if yeah. you plant it in March, it can still be growing in November and it can overwinter and still be feeding you yes. the next March. But but those quick greens, lettuce, arugula, salad greens like that, some of the mustards, they're very fast growing, yeah. but they're short-lived. And so you're gonna need to replant multiple times throughout a season if you wanna keep that coming back. Um, so just in, in your timing of things, think about that too. In your timing of things, one, one other part, Sometimes we go to the nursery and way before it's time here at the coast for our tomatoes and some mm. of our things, we'll see some of these plants out there. Yeah. What did Teresa tell me about this oh, really just, quickly? Because oh, we only have like a minute left. It breaks my Sorry. heart. You know, just think about how cold it is outside. Think about frost dates. Um, it, you rarely are gonna benefit from planting a plant too early it's okay to plant them later on, but a lot of times those first round of plants that you buy, especially basil, dear God, yes. don't buy basil don't buy early. Basil. But even tomatoes or some of the heat loving plants, if you're putting Swash. them outside in April, 
you gotta have some serious protection over them or they're probably just gonna be stunted and sit there and they won't start growing until the end of May anyway. So you may as well wait and plant it in May when they'll be happier. So it's okay, it's patience, it's gonna be fine. So I think that what the main thing that I hear here today is, you know, keep planting, keep reading, mm -hmm. start, start seeds when it's time, but don't be in a huge, don't be huge in a huge rush. hurry. Yep. It's, yeah. The season can start slowly and you'll have abundant food later on. Just be patient. It's going to work. <laughs> Teresa, thank you so oh, much. Thanks, Jess. This is a really fun conversation. Yeah. And uh, thanks to everyone out there for joining us. And uh, we'll talk to you next time.